I'm Kevin Gale, voice of the Crusaders, and this is Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics presented by UMass Memorial Health. On this episode, we continue our Crusader coaching profiles with Holy Cross women's basketball head coach, Maureen McGarity. Last season, the Crusaders won a regular season title for the first time since 2005. Coach McGarity was named Patriot League Coach of the Year with a new Holy Cross record, 14 Patriot League wins. And she just so happens to be one of my favorite people in the game of basketball. Coach, it's always so great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us here on Sayer Stories. No, oh, thank you. I know it's a busy time of the year for everybody. So, so nice to see you. And I'm, I'm really excited to be on. Thanks for having me. And you mentioned how busy you are as a coach. Your student athletes are, are busy up against final exams and, and making their own preparations for Patriot League season. What will a couple days off around the holidays look like for you and your team? Yeah, it's a you know a much needed break for a lot of reasons, but you know most importantly, it's finals week. So um, you know the the team has done an incredible job up to this point of just really being focused on basketball, and we're having a great season. I'm so so proud of of the just the, how competitive we've been and the type of gutsy wins that we've pulled off. But you know it's it's finals week, so there's nothing more important right now than giving the players time to study, prepare, you know, do a great job on their final exams. And um, obviously we're going to be practicing, but it's, it's a little different look, you know, just more individual workouts, not as intense. Um, but knowing that we still have a game on the 20th, you know, we still have one more non-conference game, which will be a tough game, but yeah, it's, it's great. You know, and it's, it's a nice downtime too. It's, and then for my staff, it's not really a downtime. They're out recruiting. It's a busy time of the year now with the high school season kind of picking up. And then in between just, you know, running to target or shopping here and there just to find some time to do your Christmas shopping. It's always a, a real treat. <laughs> I guess the question is, what are your daughters getting for Christmas this year? Well, yes, they uh, they keep putting the puppy on the Christmas list. Oh, boy. Just, <laughs> you know, as a basketball coach in New England, a puppy right now is, is probably, Santa's probably not going to be bringing them a puppy. But rollerblades, I think maybe, you know, if they're, they're still on the nice list, they'll get those. I like that. You can always bring that puppy on the recruiting trip. Something to consider. Could uh, help. Right. You know what? You know, sometimes the kids help. They're cute. You bring them. You know, they, they they don't hurt. So a puppy, I'm sure, would also do the job. <laughs> That's great. You mentioned your team is off to another great start this season. Eight and two out of the gate. The only two losses on the road against power conference teams, including your alma mater, BC. How is your team carrying high expectations over from last season? Yeah, you know, I'm, I, with a young team, I mean, having... Having Addie Cross is our, our lone senior, and, and our junior class is obviously very experienced, but having five newcomers and, and just the, the schedule that we've had, like you mentioned, and we're getting better every game, you know, and I, I really think some of the younger players, their confidence is continuing to grow, getting more comfortable, you know, having Karen McCormick back the last couple of games has obviously been huge for us. Um, just having her, you know, scoring ability and her experience, but yeah, you know, and even, even that BC game, I mean, it still haunts me a little bit. I mean, we, we had them, we had them right there and we just, you know, really struggled to score down the stretch. But I think after that game, obviously we really refocused and, and we've been on, on a roll since then. And, and our defense this year has just been truly just tough, you know, and I think I've really, we as a staff has challenged them over the last two years, really started last year. 
uh, with that senior class, we, you know, we had Avery, obviously, who's a tremendous scorer, but, you know, in a league, especially like the Patriot League, there's just so many great individual scoring guards, at least last year and, and this year as well. But we we really focused on our defense and that's really helped us win some games down here, down on the stretch, especially in on the road. I think we've really had to lock in and um, pick up some tough gutsy road wins. You were a college basketball player yourself. You actually started your career at BC in 2000 before transferring to Marist. And that wasn't a coincidence. Your dad, Dave, was the head men's basketball coach for the Red Foxes at that time. I'm, I'm so interested in this unique experience to be on a college campus with a parent. How connected were you and your dad during those Marist years? You know, it's, it was such a special time. You know, I think I, when I transferred, I had a lot of injuries and um, at the time when I transferred, I just wasn't really sure if I would even play anymore. Um, you know, I just had a lot of really tough injuries and my dad was the men's coach at Maris for 20 years and just grew up around the game. And, you know, really those, uh, his players were like my big brothers. I was just so lucky with the role models that I grew up with always around, you know, for holidays and meals and they would come to my games when I was a kid and, it was just a really great childhood and, and experience growing up. And, and then when I transferred, funny enough, my I'm the oldest of three. Uh, my fifth year, all three of us were in, co in college at the same time. Wow. So I was a fifth year senior. My sister was a junior. My brother was a freshman. And he walked on on the men's basketball team for my dad. So at a small school, you know, very similar to Holy Cross, only about 3,000 undergrads. It was a great experience. You know, it's just, you know, my dad's still my, you know, my biggest fan, but he's my role model. And I've learned so much from him, not, not only obviously on the court, but just how to, you know, be a player's coach, I think is the most important thing I've learned from him and just how to gain, you know, your players respect and, and really care about them as a person. And um, just the relationships he still has, you know, with a lot of his players from 30, 40 years ago, even, I mean, he still talks to them all the time. It's, it's amazing. So in, in that way, I've really learned a lot and, and I knew I always wanted to be a coach just because, you know, my dad was the best and um, he affected so many lives in such a positive way. And you didn't just overcome those injuries. I mean, you really thrived with Marist. You were a two-time captain, leading scorer. Marist made the NCAA tournament for the first time in your senior year. Was there a point during your playing career when you knew, okay, I want to go into the family business and become a coach? You know, I, I was really, really lucky not only to transfer to a place like Maris, where you know, it was very familiar. I obviously grew up in Poughkeepsie and, and was around the college. But interestingly enough, my high school coach, Coach Georges, Brian Georges, who's, who's a legendary coach at Maris, he got the job my second year after I transferred. And he was my high school coach, won a, a bunch of state championships. And he took over as, as the head women's coach. And just a familiarity of, of playing for him and what an amazing coach he is. I think that really helped. And, and I learned a lot from Coach Georges as well. And after I graduated, I was just, you know, really, really lucky. Coach offered me, you know, a job right out of college. And I think as an assistant coach, you know, and that's and nowadays that's that's kind of that's tough to do right when you graduate, become an assistant coach, be out on the road and do everything. So I'll forever be grateful to Coach Georges for that. And yeah, I mean, it's the only thing I've ever done. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have different stories, especially in coaching where they've tried different things and you know, had to kind of make ends meet until they kind of, you know, made it to division one. I've been really, really lucky. And I, I really do feel very blessed that it's the only thing I've ever done. And I've worked at some amazing institutions and I've had the a great opportunity to coach some uh, just fabulous young women that have gone on to do incredible things off the court. 
And so, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm just happy I've been able to play a small, you know, role in, in a lot of, the, uh, of their lives. That's a good point. You really don't see a lot of people jump into the deep end of the pool that quickly after college. And you made the most of that opportunity through some very unexpected circumstances at Army West Point. The great Maggie Dixon, who had just led the Black Knights to their first ever NCAA tournament, passed away at the age of 28. I'll, I'll never forget it. And your dad took on the incredible task of becoming the next head coach. And you joined that staff. What did that incredibly challenging time at West Point teach you about working with student athletes beyond the game? Yeah, you know, I think that that really, like you mentioned, I mean, it was just one of those situations that kind of happens and you're never prepared for it, but really molded me into, I think, who I am today, not only as a coach, but just as a person and just the impact that, like you mentioned, Maggie had not only on me, but my dad. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't really know the full story behind that, but my dad had been let go at Marist after 20 years, got out of coaching, was an assistant commissioner commissioner for two different conferences, was getting ready to have to move to Ohio. My mom was freaking out because she didn't want to move and he was going to be in a, a great opportunity to be assistant commissioner in the Mid-American Conference. And Maggie's brother, Jamie Dixon, who my dad had known forever, you know, Maggie had just gotten the job and said, Dave, you know, can you help my sister? She's 28. Just like, just give her one year to help her out. She's, you know, and, and you don't have to move. And from Poughkeepsie to West Point, my parents stayed in their house, you know, that we grew up in. And it's just incredible. Just the, that backstory, I don't think anybody really fully understands. At that point, my dad was never coached women ever in his life, you know? So Maggie, you know, I think they really found each other at the right time. He helped Maggie just give her the confidence to be a young head coach and with a ton of experience. And, you know, Maggie really gave my dad a great opportunity to get back into coaching, something that that's what he is, a coach. And, you know, it was a tough couple of years with him not coaching. And, you know, he was very worried about coaching women. And I remember I was an assistant at Fairfield at the time when Maggie hired him and said, dad, you're a coach and you have two daughters, like, and it's West Point. So, you know, and you're in a, you know, I think the biggest difference was he's an assistant coach, not the head coach. So he had a completely different role and kind of be the big teddy bear and like the fun one. And he didn't have to be the serious head coach, you know? So he, that was one of the best years um, up until, you know, the tragedy happened that of his life, you know, and when he, this, the players came into, went into the athletic director and said, coach McGarry is the only one we want to play for. Wow. And that really touched my dad. Cause he was, he was ready to move on. And in a, in a crazy circumstances too. My dad was going to leave to go take a job with the NBA as a scout. And I had talked to Maggie that final four about two weeks before she passed away. And she offered me the job to replace my father at West Point. So I was going to leave Fairfield and go work for her because she was, you know, a rock star at that point. Yeah. They had just beat actually Holy Cross. I was at the game. They rushed her off. The cadets rushed her off the court and it was an amazing game. I mean, she, you know, she was, she was a rock star. She was on TV. I mean, Jamie at the time was a head coach at Pitt playing in Madison Square Garden. The camera's on Maggie. I mean, she had all the different, you know, high power five conferences calling her to interview her for jobs and how quickly it just, you know, it, it turned. So, you know, I just feel so lucky that I was able to be there for my dad too, and just help him through that as, as his assistant coach. And, you know, my dad's like my best friend, but just to be able to 
say, dad, you're the only one that they want to coach you, you know, like you're, you're what they need right now. Just be yourself. And I learned a lot about how important it, you know, it is to just be there for your players. And, and we went on to have an incredible year, which is something that a lot of people don't realize too. We won like 24 games that year. It was just, it was wild to me how incredible those young women were able to stay focused and have a great year. And every day was, was tough, you know, having to just walk into the gym and it was, uh, it was, it was hard. It was a really, really tough time, but I think I, I really grew from it and learned a lot about how to be a head coach. So to see Maggie capture lightning in a bottle like that, at such a young age as a first time head coach, and, and then you pivot in 2010 to your first head coaching job at New Hampshire, where you worked for a decade. How did the expectations clash with the realities about running a program and building yourself up as a head coach for the first time? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is like Maggie was, was so young. And I was, when I got hired at UNH, I was the youngest head coach in the country at the time too. And, and so, you know, people would kind of say, wow, you know, compare a little bit. And I, obviously she was, she's, nobody could compare to Maggie, you know, and, but it was always such a compliment to me when people would say that, you know, and, and I, just remember Maggie having conversations with her, just like, just being herself. She wasn't trying to be anybody that she wasn't like she is young and I was young too. And I think that that was something that Marty Scarano, who's the athletic director at UNH who hired me is, is still one of my biggest mentors. And uh, I owe him so much in my career, obviously to see something in me at such a young age. But I remember that just like Maggie saying it, my dad saying it, Marty saying it, like, yeah, you're young, but that's why use don't try to be somebody you're not. You don't, you know, you you have good experience, but you know, no, even if you're 50 or, or 60 years old and you haven't been a head coach, you're not, you're never a head coach until you're sitting that chair, you know. So just you have experiences and you you can you relate to the players and um, but it was hard. I mean, I think anytime you get a, a head coaching job, it's, it's tricky. And I just really, that, that first cl- uh, year, that senior class, I remember just really bought in, I could say anything and they would play so hard and they believed anything I told them. And it was really just about getting them to love the game again. And so it was just, it was a perfect fit and I, I'll forever be grateful, you know, obviously to Marty and, and that first class uh, team at, at UNH. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll take a closer look at Coach McGarity's path to Worcester during a worldwide pandemic. That's right here on Sater Stories. At Fuel America, we've created a place for people to gather, to share their stories. We are a destination and we are a starting point because Fuel America is not just our name, it's our mission. We are UMass Memorial Health and innovation is something that defines us, that drives us to discover new ways to provide answers and hope, to provide opportunity and access and equity for everyone, to redefine what medicine can do and how it can heal relentlessly. Wegmans Meals to Go makes eating well extra easy. Power up with one of our poke bowls or poke salads. They're made with all your favorite sushi ingredients and served over your choice of greens or grains. Pick from shrimp, king salmon, ahi tuna, and more. And poke is just the beginning. Our fresh-made salads, hand-rolled sushi, and other favorites can be delivered right to your door with a simple tap or click. 
order on the app or visit mealstogo.com. Select stores only. Minimum $20 order for delivery. Check availability in your area. The right way to top a sub is with real red wine vinegar made from red grapes and no food coloring. And the right way to film it is in slow motion. Obviously. Because authentic ingredients make a sub above. Whether you are looking at hosting a birthday party, corporate or youth team outing, church group, or just a night out with some friends, Holy Cross Athletics has just the experience to make your event unforgettable. Holy Cross Athletics offers a number of interactive group experiences where your groups can even have the option of adding food and drinks to your experience. For more information, please call 1-844-GO-CROSS or email us at tickets at holycross.edu. Welcome back to Seder Stories, presented by UMass Memorial Health. I'm Kevin Gale, joined by the head coach of women's basketball at Holy Cross, Maureen McGarity. Now, Coach, when you first learned the head coaching job at Holy Cross could be yours, how did you make that move a reality? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've i told a lot of people this, but Holy Cross has just always been a, a, a job. Like I was recruited by Holy Cross, you know, back in the in the late to mid 90s. And I just I grew up in New York, went to Catholic school. It's just always a school that I always just really admired. Um, and obviously I've played against them a lot when I was an assistant um, at Army, obviously being in the league. That was a huge rivalry game. Army Holy Cross had some incredible games. And then when I was at UNH in New England for, for you know, 10 years, I mean, we would play a lot. And, you know, the tradition, you know, just I think it's it's such a great tradition for basketball and incredible academic school. And I've always just felt it's just it's just the an amazing institution. And, and, and now, and then obviously with the new facilities and, um, you know, you always kind of look at different schools and not that I, I was absolutely happy at UNH. And like I said, I could have been there as long as they would have kept me there. You know, I loved it there. It was, a, it was a great place to, to raise a family and to grow and to learn, but just really felt it was a special opportunity. And, you know, really grateful to Marcus Blossom, you know, and during a pandemic and, you know, it was just a very interesting process, to be honest. I mean, it was right the height of the pandemic and home and everything was over Zoom and never came on campus for the interview. Marcus came to my backyard to meet with me, you know, the second time and social distance, had to stay away. And it's just, you know, I think back on that, how crazy it was having to move, you know, I have two young daughters. Yeah to sell a house and buy a house all through a pandemic. And, you know, none of the good, none of the donation centers were open to when I moved. I mean, it was a lot of different things, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just felt it was such an amazing opportunity for, for me and the girls and, and just a, such a, I mean, wow, just one of those jobs that you just, you got to figure it out if, if it's offered and it was, and I'm, I'm so grateful. And I, I really feel so lucky to be the head coach here. You walk through some of the challenges so looking back now, how do you feel that you were able to get this thing up and running, especially after that shortened Patriot League only season, you play what, maybe 16, 17 games, and then quickly you roll in to last year, your second season on the job. How were you able to bridge the gap and, and get this team tuned up so quickly? Yeah, I think that first year was just, obviously it was every day was something new with the COVID and thinking back on it, in a weird way for your first year as a head coach, it was, it was tough, but there was so much extra noise going on that you could really 
you know, really just get to know your players and take the time to do that and not to feel that stress of bam, like having to, to play a full schedule, you know, so there were crazy enough, there were positives about that. I thought, you know, and not having to play a, a full game schedule, even though obviously we wanted to, but just kind of getting to know the players on, on a personal basis, Maury, we had the time to do that, you know, and obviously with the brand new staff, I mean, I give my, my staff so much credit. I mean, I had to hire a staff during the pandemic too. So, you know, a lot of it, I mean, Kat played for me, I'd known Claire, played at Cornell, John was in Florida, you know, and, and so, we a lot of our meetings and stuff obviously we hadn't met in person for four months after I hired everybody it was all over zoom too so I just give them so much credit for just taking it and being creative and you know being creative with the players how we were going to get to know them over zoom until we could actually get on campus with recruiting I mean I look at our, our freshman class right now and that all started then, you know, and just how creative they had to be and organized and not use COVID as an excuse. I think, you know, I, I'm really, really proud of that. You know, it's, it's easy to do, but it, it, that was the reality. And we, there was no use in, in complaining about it or using it as an excuse. And I was, I'm really, really proud of the whole program, the coaches, the players, everybody involved. We never really used COVID as an excuse. It was what it was, but we had to figure it out. You know, if, if you couldn't do this, okay, well, how are we going to find a way? And obviously I think it's really, um, really helped us come together as a group. And I think if we can get through a year like that in our first year, we can kind of get through anything. So it was just fun last year, you know, and obviously, I mean, I knew when the job was open, I was very familiar with Holy Cross. I had played against them a bunch at UNH. I knew the, t the team, I knew about Avery, you know, and I'm from New York. So there's a lot of different connections there. And so I knew that, you know, the type of player I was going to, you know, inherit. And, um, and I mean, wow, what, a, what a senior year she had along with the rest of that senior class. It was, it was really incredible, you know, and I, I, I obviously wish I had more time with that class. I think, you know, they were really talented, but definitely just um, helped kind of propel us, like you said, as a program a little bit farther ahead than I, than I anticipated, you know, just after that second year because of that class. When you say Avery, you mean Patriot League player of the year, Avery LaBarbera, who we know leads Crusader Purple, but she got a great opportunity to grad transfer to Wisconsin in the Big Ten. There's no question she's one of the best ever to put on a Holy Cross uniform. What's been her lasting impact along with some of those other seniors in terms of building the program moving forward? Yeah, you know, I think Avery is just one of those players that came in and every year just, you know, really laid her mark of of being, like you said, one of the best players to ever, you know, wear a uniform here. And I think just her leaving her legacy, you know, and bringing us to postseason tournament and winning a regular season is incredible, you know, for her and that whole class. I think, you know, Maddie Dembski went through a lot with injuries. Kelly Petro was just such a great role player and a leader and, you know, Lucci just had a great career too. So like I said, I mean, if you could look, if you could think back, I mean, it was tough on them and I give them a lot of credit and I, and I talk about that a lot. I mean, they had three coaches, you know, in their last three years, in, and they still came to every day with a great energy and stayed focused and stayed together and, and kept the team together during really, really tough times. But, but yeah, I mean, Avery's just one of those players. She, um, she just really, I think in practice every day was so competitive and just mm -hmm. brought the level of competitiveness 
to a point where now the younger players, that's what's expected and demanded. So, you know, again, we never use the COVID as an excuse or the new coaching staff or any of that stuff as an excuse that, you know, Avery just would come every day. She'd play hard every day. And she was always the hardest working player at practice. You, you know, you come into the, into the gym and there's sometimes where the best player maybe takes some days off during practice. Avery was never one of them. And I think that's why it's obviously right now Wisconsin. I mean, she's averaging 35 minutes and double, you know, almost a double, double, even at Wisconsin. So we're so proud of her. And, and I'm just so grateful that I had the opportunity to coach her and, and the rest of that senior class. You had great buy-in from your players. You built a wonderful staff and the payoff was huge in the Patriot league finale last year, a win against BU, your rival to clinch the outright title. And I got to tell you, without a doubt, that was the best crowd we've seen for any sport at the Heart Center in at least four years. What did that celebration with all the student support mean to your team? Yeah, oh, man. I mean, I think that's what's so special about Holy Cross, too, you know, and and it's just uh, it's different than any place that I've honestly worked at just how being a small school and how invested the student athletes are with each other and just their, their biggest fans, you know, and, and it goes the other way too. I mean, we've gone to all the, you know, the football games and basketball games, hockey. I mean, it's, it's, it's just incredible. And that atmosphere, it just, it created such a buzz within the community as well, you know, and um, you know, even my town, I live in Sutton with, with my little ones and, just the buzz, even in Sutton, everybody wanted to come to the games and they would come and they would see, you know, that's to them that every kid, in, you know, on my daughter's basketball team now wants to come to Holy Cross because they think it's the great, you know, they come and they, you got the video boards, you got the DJ, you got the football team and the lacrosse team cheering, going crazy and rushing the court. I mean, that's, that's like what it's all about, you know, especially if, you know, I think it's, it's really, really special. You know, I think women's basketball is growing. The game is growing and becoming more popular on, on every level now. I mean, even if you watch WNBA games, they're, they're packed and sold out. So I, it's just, it's, it's an incredible opportunity, I think. And, and I think that's a huge reason why we have the freshman class that we have, you know, recruiting that all helps with recruiting too. And, People want to play in that kind of an, an environment, but it's really, really special. And and even this year, I mean, it's definitely trickled over into this year. It's been really excited to get to to conference play, especially. But yeah, that was one of my favorite moments as as a coach. You know, it's just really, really special to to do it at home too, and against you know, like you said, our rival. We had played them the year before five times, and right. it was tough. <laughs> so of all the teams <laughs> to, to win that game with that, it was that was extra special. Let's take one last break. When we return, it's rapid fire with Coach McGarity, plus a look ahead at the new Patriot League season to come. That's next, right here on Sater Stories. Hello, I'm Richard Carr of Carr Financial. As a proud alumnus and sponsor of Holy Cross Athletics, I know the importance of making a game plan to set up your team for success. Why should preparing for your financial future be any different? At Carr Financial, our dedicated advisors have decades of experience helping people like you put together a customized financial plan. Contact Car Financial today and let us guide you toward a life of success as you define it. Call 508-795-0264 or visit carfinancial.com. We are UMass Memorial Health and innovation is something that defines us, that drives us to discover new ways to provide answers and hope, to provide opportunity and access and equity for everyone to redefine what medicine can do 
and how it can heal relentlessly. Getting that perfect slice is satisfying, fulfilling, and rewarding too. But we don't do it for fun. We do it for fresh. Slice to order makes a sub above. Holy Cross Athletics is proud to have passionate corporate sponsors who are committed to supporting our teams and student athletes. Sponsors not only support Holy Cross, but also gain significant marketing exposure through in-venue signage, digital elements, promotional campaigns, and much more. To become a corporate partner, please contact Frank with Crusader Sports Properties at 908-625-1947. Welcome back to Sater Stories presented by UMass Memorial Health. I'm Kevin Gale, joined by Maureen McGarity, third-year head coach of Holy Cross Women's Basketball. Now, Patriot League play begins on December 30th at Bucknell. Coach, your team was picked third as the defending champs. A little slight there. How do your expectations look compared to the rest of the league this year? It'll be interesting this year for sure. I think a lot of key players have uh, either graduated or gone on to play their fifth years other places. A lot of the coaches have changed a lot of turnover again with the coaches, I'm feeling great about my team. I love my team. I mean, I think every game we get better, we're young, we're hungry. I don't really feel the expectations on us maybe as much as last year, you know, just having that strong senior class with Avery. I think, you know, having Addie, she's been an incredible leader for us in the junior class as well, but I th- it's just a really fun group, you know, and I, and I feel we've shown some glimpses of being really good. And but we've also shown some glimpses of being really young and turning the ball over and, and you know, just careless stuff. So, you know, hopefully the trend will continue to, to improve every game. And, you know, it's always a, t- a tough league. You know, I think the B- BU, Lehigh, you know, definitely the teams to beat. But some of the younger teams have definitely improved. The Colgates, Loyola's, I mean, with, you know, the second year. Uh, of their of their new coaching staff, young players that have definitely improved, you know, some of the non-conference games, but, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You know, I think it's, it's definitely up. It's always up for grabs. I think in our, our conference, especially obviously last year, you know, just the parody in the league last year and kind of how the playoffs obviously ha- happened. Um, you know, I expect probably the same this year. It should be pretty tough from top to bottom. You talked about some of the turnover, some of the new faces playing new spots, but you've got a great scoring guard back from Ireland, Brona Power Cassidy. In fact, I looked this up. Your team is undefeated this season when she reaches double figure scoring. What makes her so valuable to your team right now? Yeah, I think Brona is just from the moment she stepped on campus, she's just such a dynamic person. You know, I think just who she is off the court, even her confidence, and that definitely carries over onto the court. Um, she's like that undersized tweener kid, you know, player that can play inside, play outside. She's a tough matchup for opponents. Um, but yeah, I mean, she can, she can score in bursts for sure. She's a, she's a tremendous shooter and and we've seen a lot of zone, you know, up until this point and uh, a lot of zone defense and she does a great job of kind of finding the gaps in the pockets of the zone. And, and she knows she always has the green light. So it's even better if she scores in double figures, obviously. So, you know, but she's, she's really playing well, really confident. I think her sophomore year, she had, she had a strong year, but, you know, following up uh, being the rookie of the year, I think people knew who she was her sophomore year, but I definitely feel like she came back really, really hungry, really focused. And she's having a great year for us. 
Yeah, Brona's having a dream season. You mentioned she's got the green light, so she gets to be more involved in the offense. And, and next summer, she'll have the opportunity of a lifetime to go back home and play on a basketball tour with your Crusaders around her home country of Ireland. How did you make that dream a reality? And, and what will the basketball look like when your team is overseas? Uh, yeah, we're just so grateful, you know, for this amazing opportunity for for the whole team, but especially to to bring Brona home and um, to be able to to just have the experience of not only playing overseas, but just, uh, you know, visiting Ireland and getting to do, you know, a lot of the touristy things and going to visit her school and doing some clinics. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely just an opportunity of, that we've been trying to kind of get the ball rolling a little bit, but obviously with COVID and you know, the NCAA allows you to go overseas and do a, a tour every four years. And it was just something that we thought, wow, wouldn't this be, wouldn't this be great just to go to Ireland and bring Brona home. But, um, you know, we're just really, really grateful to an amazing donor. So gracious that, you know, a former men's player that just said, wow, this is a great opportunity you get to go overseas and we're having a great year. And, and it's a young team too. I think that that's even a, a icing on the cake, you know, only having one senior. So this whole team is going to go and then they're all going to come back and, and play except for Addy next year. So it's going to be awesome. And, and just the, the way that we were able to surprise her and uh, and the team, the team didn't know either, but having Brona's parents be involved in the surprise and, you know, putting it up on the video board after practice was, was a really special moment and just feel really lucky that we're able to, to do this and, and, and it'll be great for the program. You know, it's just everybody involved is super excited. And, and great for the game over there. I hear more and more about interest growing in basketball across the UK and Ireland, where it's still fairly unfamiliar. So we're looking ahead now into January into Patriot League play. And along with athletic director Kit Hughes, I think your program's doing a wonderful thing, retiring five women's basketball jerseys to commemorate 50 years of Title IX. What do you hope this gesture and this ceremony means to current and future players in your program? Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think Kit, you know, Kit Hughes, since the moment he's stepped foot on, on campus as our athletic director, he's done an amazing job, you know, obviously leading our athletic department, but but really making women's, you know, women's sports, not just women's basketball, but a priority. And I think, you know, with the anniversary of Title IX, it's just a perfect time to do this. I mean, the tradition and the history of women's basketball here at Holy Cross, I mean, you look up in the in the banners and the rafters. There's been some remarkable teams and, you know, and obviously on the men's side too, I mean, there's, there's that great history and together as a, as a group, but you look up and you're like, you know, I think it's time, you know, I think it felt it's yeah. time to put some women's, you know, jerseys up there and um, it'll be really special for, you know, a lot of different decades. We'll be able to bring and celebrate, um, you know, and, and the thing about Holy Cross is the alums are, are really grateful to, to be working here, but they're so they have so much pride, you know, in, in Holy Cross and what they were able to accomplish here and how excited they are about what we're doing in the last couple of years and bringing them back and making them feel, you know, we're continuing the tradition, you know, and I've said that before, that was on the back of our shirts last year, continuing the tradition because of all their hard work and everything that they did to, to help, you know, get us to the point that we're at now was because of because of those five, you know, five trailblazers and a lot of other trailblazers that before us that gave us worked hard and and so that we have opportunities like we have to go play over in Ireland and and to you know to go play in great trips and to go play at Marquette and Boston College and uh, and we we owe a lot to them so it'll be really really special and I'm really excited to to celebrate those five and their families and really make it a special day. 
2023 is going to be a really special year for Holy Cross women's basketball. A lot to look forward to. Coach, before we let you go, it's time for our rapid fire questions. Oh, no pressure here. Just give us the <laughs> first thing that comes to mind. Favorite basketball player of all time? Rick Smith. Most points you've ever scored at any level? 31. Favorite restaurant in Worcester? I mean, Tony's not really, Tony's isn't really in Worcester. <laughs> I'll say Tony's because I'm from Sutton and it's close enough. Okay, Worcester adjacent. That's fine. <laughs> Favorite thing to do when you aren't coaching? Go to the beach. Favorite TV show? Peaky Blinders. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would that be? Santorini, Greece. If you weren't coaching hoops, what would you be doing? I'd like to be a broadcaster. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you want to switch? Well, I'll switch with you if you want. There's a color analyst seat ready for you right next to me. I would favorite love spot. it. I would. <laughs> favorite spot on Holy Cross's campus. I love Blaney. And lastly, all you want for Christmas is? Uh, just so my kids to be happy, wake up, just be grateful for what they have and have a nice hot cup of coffee so they don't have to reheat it 20 times on Christmas morning. <laughs> we were saying before we went on the air, seven days between games for a coach like you must feel like a summer break. So just having a couple of days to do nothing is probably the best gift. I know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got. I got. Well, I do. I do know what I have to do. I have a lot of of Christmas shopping and and wrapping to do. But I'm really excited and um and I want to wish everybody happy holidays and it's been a uh, hopefully everyone will have a healthy happy you know 2023 as well. I'm really looking forward to 2023. But but 2022 has been an incredible year and I'm really grateful for for everyone at Holy Cross and all the fans and. The community, it's been, um, like I said, it's just, it's been a, a, an amazing year for so many reasons. And I'm, I'm just so happy that, that I'm the coach here. So thanks, Kevin. It's always great to see you too. You're the best, man. Thank you. No, Love it's it. all the same back to you. Merry Christmas to you and your daughters. And, and we'll see you at the Heart Center again very, very soon. Happy New Year as well. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening here on Seder Stories. Please subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you love Seder stories, leave us a five-star rating and review. It's still the best way for fellow crusaders to find our show. That's it for now. I'm Kevin Gale. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seder Stories, presented by UMass Memorial Health. Stay in the loop on all things Holy Cross athletics at GoHolyCross.com and at GoHolyCross on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go Cross Go!